Welcome to the Work Hard, Play Hard podcast. My name is Rob Murgatroyd, and I am a former doctor turned lifestyle entrepreneur. Each week, I interview some of the best minds on the planet on the science of achievement and the art of fulfillment. Today's episode is a mini-sode that we call Fried Dates with the Wife. In these mini-sodes, my wife Kim and I deconstruct the strategies that we've developed over the last decade to not only grow personally, but to turn our struggles into lessons and create fulfillment in all areas of our lives. Excuses are over. It's time to live. Let's dig into today's topic. All right, before we jump into this episode, I want to invite you to be considered for my Work Hard, Play Hard Mastermind by completing an application at workhardplayhardmastermind.com. So this mastermind is not like any mastermind you may have been to or heard of, I promise you. This mastermind is for six to seven figure entrepreneurs that are working too damn much and aren't taking the time to have amazing experiences around the world with an incredible tribe of people. So every 100 days or so, I drop you into new experiences that are specifically designed to elevate your thinking, to give you new ideas. Look, you get your best ideas not staring at a computer. And actually, this is the way high-level people really collaborate with each other. They do it over a glass of champagne, watching the sunset in the south of France. So if you are ready to do some fun stuff around the world and really, really want to level up your tribe in one shot, fill out an application at workhardplayhardmastermind.com. We'll jump on a call and we'll see if it's a good fit. All right, let's jump into today's episode. Kimberly, panic rabbit hole, Murgatroyd, (laughs) how are you this lovely Friday morning? I am just ducky, thank you. (laughs) So today, I know you're really excited for us to- Today's gonna be the day. So I'm really, uh, I know you're really excited about uh, talking about your panic attacks, but I'm getting a lot of reach out about our last episode and our last big fry date uh, where we talked about how you, you had your first panic attack and all of that. And the day you told me about your panic attacks, I or about the first panic attack, I had three conversations with three different people who are also experiencing panic attacks right now that are not people that typically experience them. And so now you're a weekend to the panic rabbit hole and you've gotten up every single night almost, right? At two in the morning yep. um, in a panic. And you're also doing a lot of research on it and applying a lot of um, skills and strategies. Are they working? <laughs> like, I know you're still waking up at two, but you're, are things shifting for you? Well, you know, are they working is such a broad question. I, I, I would, I would, if you'll allow me, I would refine the question a little bit, and I would, I would say, are you seeing any success with the techniques yes, that you're using? That's and what the, I mean. The answer is yes. I'm seeing some success. Okay. Um, has on. it eradicated? It? No, not okay. yet. Okay. So let's back it up real quick because I don't know. I can't honestly remember what day it is, so I can't remember how much detail we went into uh, during that last episode. But let's back it up to your first night Mm -hmm. having a panic attack and your eyes um, popped open around Mm -hmm. two and you went upstairs, right? Mm -hmm. And when you came upstairs, what were you feeling? 
Well, in short, what happened, and it was like the first time I had no idea what was happening. Now I have a frame of reference that when it's happening, I know what's happening. And I think I have a good understanding of why it's happening. But to answer the question that first night, it felt like never having had a heart attack, I don't know what a heart attack feels like, but my brain went, you're having a heart attack because my heart was beating faster than it's ever beated before. Or it's just beat, right? You don't have to say beat. Yeah. Yeah. Beat it, beat it. Yeah, faster than it's ever beat before. The walls were closing in on me when I jumped out of... So lying in in bed in the bedroom, um, I woke up, my heart was pounding out of my chest, didn't know what was happening. And I have a history of claustrophobia. I'm not like insanely claustrophobic, but in the right circumstances, it's triggered. And when it's triggered, it's triggered. Um, So I would say like, I can go, like how often would you say I have a claustrophobia episode? Not that often. Like in in a month's month's time, like maybe not not even once. So I just want to give perspective. No, but we do have to sit on the end of any like row of chairs. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are things we have to do to prevent you from having that um, that panic attack. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of different uh, there's a lot of different coping me- mechanisms, etc. Yeah. So okay, so here's here's what, here's what I would say: lying in bed, two a.m., wide awake, heart pounding out of my chest, walls feel like they're closing in, can't get comfortable. Come upstairs so I can look out the window, go to the front deck, look at a house in front of me. feels like the house is slowly creeping towards me. That was weird. And then went to the back of the house balcony to look out into the backyard. Felt like the trees were closing in. Tried to visualize rising above the house. It felt like the stars were closing in. There was no place that I was able to gain comfort. And then after a while, when I realized that there was nothing medically wrong with me, like, you know, my heart was pounding, but I wasn't, I wasn't getting like pain. There was no pain. Um, It was clear to me that there was some kind of quote unquote episode that was happening. If you would have asked me my name, I couldn't, I could not have told you my name, not because I, I was not conscious, but I couldn't have told you my name because I was in the same way that if somebody had a pistol to your head with their finger on the trigger and they said, tell me your name, you're so panicked and freaked out that you couldn't function in any other method than fight or flight. And that's what it, that's what it felt like. So this episode happened, that was the first one. And this is the one we talked about on the last um, podcast. Now you've done work, right? Like Gabby Bernstein did an entire anxiety workshop and had meditations that that went along with that. And I sent those to you. And then you've done other work and we've created some new rules and boundaries about what happens and what is allowed, <laughs> what topics of COVID and things are allowed um, before bed. So people that can relate to this and are feeling this anxiety um, all the way up to panic, I think can can gain so much clarity and tools from what you've just done so far. And even though the panic attacks aren't gone, you seem to be managing them better. And so let's give some let's give some tactics in what you're doing. So, how is your day different now? Well, before before I say that, I do feel like I need to say something that is important here. In, in you're not a doctor. Well, you technically are a doctor. Well, in no way 
am I fearful of COVID? And I think that's really that's a really important thing to mention. I am not afraid. Um, and please, like I, everybody's got their own opinion of of this virus, but I am. I, I just know that this is not the way I'm going down. And I have nothing but sympathy for and and, and empathy for anybody going through anything. So let me just get that. So that your panic is not, not being triggered because I, you think we're no, all going to die no, from COVID. No, I could completely live in Sweden right now and be functioning and have absolutely no issue. In fact, if I was in Sweden right now, who's not- You wouldn't be having panic attacks. I would not be having panic attacks. Because they're not doing the lockdown. Your your panic attacks are being triggered by the things you love being taken away from you and by you being confined. It is a fear of being locked locked in with no escape. Yeah. So like when you're claustrophobic and you're in a room with the door closed, the moment all my claustrophobic people are going to be like high-fiving me right now. The moment that that little (laughs) on the door goes and you're locked in, your heart rate goes up a minute. And it's not a logical thing because you can look and go, I could just go and touch the door and just unlock it and it's going to open. It is an, it is a, mental, emotional feeling where your brain senses danger and you can't escape from the danger. Now, what's the danger? I don't know, but really it's that you can't get out. So anytime I think about you know, um, we are like just the words, I don't even want to say it, but just the words, we're on lockdown, we're quarantined, it's better stay home, better off at home. I'm like, fuck, I'm not better off at home. (laughs) I am not better off at home. You're going to have a loose cannon on your hand if you put me, and uh, please understand that it is not, I'm not saying this because I want to be doing other things. I'm saying this because I feel like I'm having a heart attack and I can't escape. Because, okay, so to put this in perspective, right, we have fight, fight or flight and your flight is being impacted you're literally getting your wings clipped and it's saying you cannot flight, right? You cannot go away. You cannot leave this situation. Therefore, you're locked into fight. Right. Please don't confuse us with anxiety about COVID. I don't have any anxiety about COVID. It's it's, not a thing. It's, it's, It's a feeling of not being able to get out of, like just even talking about this right now, I can feel... Like I need to breathe, like just like looking out at the window right now at everything around me, all I'm trying to do is to just get out and get a breath because just talking about feeling confined is starting to send it. Okay, so let me, let me, let me talk through this because I think this is important while I'm actually in this state. What's happening, this is what I've learned to answer your previous question. I'm going to get myself the fuck out of here in a second. But <laughs> what I've learned is that there is a a portion of the brain that's called the amygdala, A-M-Y-G-D-A-L-A. And that brain is part of your old reptilian brain, 2 million years old, that is there specifically to protect us. So you're, you're a caveman, you're walking down the street, you see a dinosaur, uh, you sense a dinosaur, you smell a dinosaur, you hear a dinosaur, anything like that, and you perceive danger, that amygdala is triggered. The amygdala then starts looking for danger and puts you into fight or flight, heart racing, pulse racing, 
tunnel focus. The only thing you can think about is the danger that is in front of you. Now, when you don't have that danger in front of you and there isn't a dinosaur, but in your head, your amygdala sees something as danger, you respond in the exact same way as if there was a danger because it's an alarm system that's going off in your body. Okay. Well, how the fuck do you shut the alarm off is really what it comes down to. So what it comes down to, this is a much longer conversation, but I'll do this as quickly as I can, which is not my strong suit. But there's a uh, there's a guy who wrote a book that I'm going to interview on Friday. Um, his last name is Bun, B-U-N-N, and he's a pilot. He was a pilot working for American Airlines for 20 or 30 years. Um, and they asked him to teach the fear of flying course. And he did. And he noticed that there were certain techniques that he used for people uh, to help them. Some were working, some weren't working, um, but he got all all interested in this. And when he retired, he went on to um, get a degree in uh, psychology and become a, I think it's an MSW. And now he's written a book called Panic Attacks and why these panic attacks are there. So in short, your autonomic, this is going to sound like it's getting like super geeky, but just stay with me. You have a nervous system in your body and that nervous system, one of the nervous systems is called the autonomic nervous system. That system is split up into two parts. One is the sympathetic and the other one is the parasympathetic. The sympathetic nervous system is the one that triggers everything I just talked about with the amygdala. It's the heart racing, it's the sweating, it's the fight or flight, it's the uh, cortisol levels rising when you're stressed, it's anxiety, it's the thing that happens when you have a fight with your spouse, it's anything related to uh, hyperarousal. The parasympathetic nervous system is very simple to explain because it's the exact opposite. It's relaxing, it's meditative, it's calming. And the thing that controls that part of the system is something called the vagus nerve. So you've heard people say, you know, gut health and your second brain. It's because the vagus nerve goes from the brain into your gut. It's the longest nerve that you have. Well, it does something called vagal breaking. And vagal breaking is that calming feeling that you get when you are meditating or you're having a great conversation with somebody or you're laughing or you're looking into your lover's eyes or you're looking into your child's eyes or you're looking into your dog's eyes, etc. These are things that stimulate that vagus nerve. So as a culture, we, we are very sympathetic driven and not very parasympathetic driven, as opposed to other countries like India that are a bit more parasympathetic because their entire culture is around namaste, right? Okay, so the techniques that you use is when you are in this sympathetic response, which is what's happening, you've got to find your way, you got to find a way to talk yourself off the ledge. And talking is not going to do it. You can, you can, somebody can like, snap you out of it for a second and maybe have a conversation with you, but it's not going to be long lasting. You need, there are two things that will override your automatic response that you have when that amygdala is triggered. The first thing is he uses an example in the book and, and bear with me. I'm not a professor of this, but I'm learning. Um, so I'm, I'm teaching you as, as I'm learning a professor, uh, a, a um, one of, one of this guy's clients found that when he asked her 
to have a memory. His his the technique that worked the best for him is for somebody to have a memory of something that was very calming for them. And the example that he gave them was imagine having a conversation with somebody that doesn't judge you and that you can really have a nice warm conversation where you feel like your shoulders drop, time just doesn't, you know, just flies by and you are you just it's very calming for you. Have have that picture of your of the person in your minds when these episodes start. And he found that it worked for some people, but it didn't work for everybody. And then one woman said, well, he said, what did you visualize? And she said, I visualized um, breastfeeding my, uh, my child. And he's like, breastfeeding, God, that's, this is, and he said, I thought to myself, this is not a great idea because this is, he used this example in his fear of flying class. And he's like, this woman's going to feel like, you know, the plane is going to crash and she's taking her and her child down with her. And this is not going to be good, but it turns out it went good. And so another woman years later did the same thing. And he started to notice that women who selected this, their, their amygdala was calmed and they were able to reverse it and they were able to get out of it. And so he dug into research and he found that what happens is when a woman is breastfeeding their child, there's a release of oxytocin. That oxytocin is straight up parasympathetic, vagal breaking, calming, otherworldly. When you're faced with the situation where the amygdala is going crazy, the only thing that he's been able to override that is what nature naturally positions a hierarchy to. And the hierarchy is it's more important if given those two situations, fight or flight, or take care of your child in an oxytocin way, the oxytocin is going to override the fight or flight. Okay, so how can a man get that same oxytocin release okay, to so, overcome the, the overactive amygdala? All right, so I'm going to give you the most effective ones, um, <laughs> and then I'll give you the ones that, that are a little bit more PG. So as a man, um, we, as, you, as you pointed out, we cannot breastfeed. So we don't have that connection to the oxytocin. But as I pointed out earlier, um, there are some things that are oxytocin producing. Foreplay, sex, and afterglow, he calls it, of sex. The snuggles. The snuggles. Guess which one we <laughs> we as men- You're definitely not going to be thinking about the snuggles. Yeah, it's not the snuggles, right? So- if and the reason is, and this is very important, the reason that it works is not because you're thinking about some lurid sexual experience that you had and you're taking your mind off it. That's what tricked him in the first place. That's not what it is. It's not taking your mind off it. It's that nature prioritizes reproduction above fight or flight. So you have to find something that is number one, oxytocin producing. Number two is prioritized above fight or flight. And number three is something, forgive the pun, that you can get taste, smell, sense, no pun, but forgive the, the grossness, of everything that's associated with those things. So all of your senses need to activate. You have the more to, senses that activate, the better. You have to be like in the same way, like if you had this and you think of nursing Sophia, you have to put yourself back in the chair, holding her in your arms and you get the idea. That wouldn't be that hard. Wouldn't be that hard. You can go right to it. And for a guy, you know, if you got a good, if you had a good night, 
Um, you can you, go right. You to can it. go. You can go right to okay, it. Okay, so let me stop you. So you have that right. Yeah. So now you have the way to break you out of the the stronghold of the panic attack, at least so to speak, right? Or you think you do? On paper, yeah. On paper. So let's talk about a couple of things before we get there. Okay, so now we've changed um, some things about our night. Every night I get an email from the city that tells us about uh, what are the changes in protocol, what new additions to the lockdown are there, all those things. And I, I would read them to you. You would watch the news and you would have all of these triggers, right? And then we would go to bed and you would have the panic attack. And your first actual panic attack wasn't at two in the morning. Because I remembered you getting out of bed almost immediately after we went to bed. First one was at, at uh, midnight. Yeah. And it was like, it was pretty right there after. So, you know, preloading your brain for sleeping with all of the new information on the lockdown was not serving you. So we've cut out the news. We've cut out me having any conversation with you about COVID, about the lockdown, about anything relating to it before bed, and you started doing a new ritual. Um, is it the Gabby meditations that you now do when I put Sophia to bed? Yeah. Um, okay. So a couple of things. One is for whatever the reason is, as the when I first wake up in the morning, it's not a big deal for me. Like I don't, like right now, like I am scale of one to 10, I'm going to answer your question in one second, but scale of one to 10, where I was five minutes ago in this podcast where we were talking about lockdown, I felt myself going there. I'm going to say I was at a six right there mm-hmm. in terms of what I felt in my chest. Yep. I'm at a zero right now. Good. But if I begin the conversation of lockdown and confinement, I can start going can one, go, two, three, four. You can bring yourself right back. Very, very quickly. So in the morning, it's not an issue. At night, it's it, for some reason or another, and I can, I can guess that the darkness makes me feel more closed in, I don't know. But at night, it gets, um, it definitely gets worse. Well, so your subconscious I've got, starts to work. Well, no, I'm, I mean, just like dusk, like you in know, general. Like, like six, seven o'clock. Yeah, it starts there. So what I'm doing sort of like prophylactically is um, you, Gary, Gabby Bernstein came out, just timing was serendipitous um, with six, you know, woo-woo techniques to help cure anxiety and panic attacks during COVID. Like it's almost like literally typed, you know, titled that. Can we link to them in the show notes? Yeah. And what she did was she came up with, I don't know if you want me to go through all the techniques, but there's basically six different techniques that you go through that um, definitely fall into the woo-woo category. But let me tell you, man, when you have one of these things, you'll freaking woo-woo to get out of it. You don't want to be in, you don't want to be in, you don't want to be in panic attack land. So I do those, uh, I do those six techniques at night. And then I, I do a, a meditation basically to clear my brain. So that has helped me and allowed me to go to sleep. If I do that and then we get in bed and Kim says, oh, there's another country that's on lockdown now. <laughs> then I, Which I learned I should not do. Then I feel like I'm like, then it triggers me. So I've got to, I've got to stop that. What I have not been able to fix yet is there's this little thing called your subconscious and your subconscious is going like, I can make all the conscious changes in the world. I can do all the meditations. I can do all the pattern interrupts. You know, um, I can do all the vagal breaking during the day and get myself out of it while I am conscious. I am completely at the mercy of my subconscious or my unconscious while I am sleeping in the middle of the night. 
and I'm having some pretty dark, scary dreams that are waking me up two, three in the morning, heart pounding out of my chest. Now that I know what it is, when I get up at two or three in the morning, I'm not you know, pacing the house, trying to figure out what the hell to do with myself because I know what it is. And so now I'm applying these principles that I learned when I'm conscious, when I wake up and it's not easy because, you know, let's use the example of like looking into our dog's name is Gia. Let's use the example of like looking into Gia's eyes. Like there is something, there's something very beautiful about looking into a dog's eyes. There is something very calming about it. There is a vagal breaking that happens. But being able to focus my mind on looking at her eyes for very long, like it it seems like I need to do it for like an hour. It's probably not. It's probably like maybe 10 minutes that I would need to do it to get myself out of it. See, here's here's the thing that I've learned through this whole process. It's like you have to stop the revving up of this. Like right now, when I just explained to you, like, you know, five minutes ago, I was at like a six or a seven. We were slowly revving up to that. We started talking about lockdown. We went into lockdown and I went from a two to a three to a four. Once you start hitting like a six or a seven where you feel like you can't get out, like I can get myself there right now. Once you get to that six or a seven, you're revved. And when you are revved up, the harder you're revved up, when you start hitting that eights, nines, and tens, to get yourself down from like a, a 10 to an eight seems like you, you're, you've got to like do some crazy mental work to get yourself down. And then when you do do that mental work to get yourself to an eight, you're not quite there. But if you're not still focusing on that thing, that dog's eyes, you go back up to a nine really quickly. Okay, but this, but I want you to see the progress that you've made in just one week. So you one week ago, you were pacing around the house with your heart pumping out of your chest and everything was collapsing in on you. Yeah. One week later, you're able to calm yourself, stay in bed and stop the stop the insanity, so mm-hmm. to speak, mm-hmm. stop everything from crashing in on you without walking around the house and in doing all of those things. And you're able to put things in place like the pre-work that you're doing before you go to bed with meditation and all of that. And then the different techniques for the vagal breaking when you do start getting revved up. What you haven't solved for yet is the subconscious, but that's going to be a much bigger play, I believe. Because I think that there's a a whole lot more going on in the subconscious than just your current situation. I think there's, you know, your your childhood, different things you went through. I don't know. But I think that one's going to take a bit more work and technique to get through. But in just one week, you've been able to come this far. So I think that should be celebrated. And I'm really proud of you. And I'm really sorry for triggering you <laughs> as we're going to bed with COVID news. Um, so I have stopped that. I will not do that anymore. And um, I mean, you could like, for example, you could have said to me, you know, there's a, there was another report of somebody flying in an airplane where they couldn't get out. And that would have done the exact same thing. Yeah. So COVID it is it's not- It's not that. It's, it's, it's you're being, you're, your subconscious is being- triggered. It thinks it can't escape. For whatever reason right now, your subconscious is being triggered. Um, I think it's just, there's so many triggers at once, 
versus normal life. That's exactly that's exactly the there's difference. There's just like every once a month, it's like, oh no, I need to sit it's on the con- end. It's constant. It's it's yeah. it's it's constant and it sustains. Yeah. Like the worst thing is when somebody says to me, you know, we might be on lockdown for who knows, maybe through the end of the summer. Like, like I, no, 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 no. No, because I will need tranquilizers. Yeah. There's no way. And here's what's even crazier. What's crazier is walking down the street and not seeing anybody actually triggers it. Because for me, when I don't see anybody, I'm stressed that they're locked out, yeah. they're, that they're on lockdown. Yeah. So I, so it's anything associated with it. But now you have the tools. Now I have the tools to handle it consciously. So if you find yourself uh, in these um, in in these shoes in any way, I strongly recommend that you do uh, Gabby's six. Um, uh, techniques. So let's link to that. Let's link to the book with and, the pilot and uh, or whatever yeah. other Captain, tools that Captain you have. Bun's book. Yes, I would do both of those. And for those who are look, listen. If you're not experiencing it, I hope that I hope I hope that you stopped listening a long time ago and you just went on and you just live in your life and you're fine right now. But if you are experiencing this, um, I hope that this story will give you some tools. And this is a developing story, right? This is like a week old. So and thank you. By the way, for being so transparent about this, because you're not one to typically talk about, you know, whatever thing is going on personally. And I think it's going to provide a lot of value for a lot of people. So thank you for being so vulnerable and willing to share. Well, thank you. Well, that's it. I think uh, I think we nailed it, huh? Did I, did I give you what you needed? You gave me what I needed. Okay. All right. Somebody open the window now. All right. <laughs> Have a great day, everybody. See you next week. Bye. All right, thanks for listening. If you love this episode and you know someone that needs some help in either stepping up their work hard game or their play hard game, it would mean the world to me if you shared this podcast with them to help me get this movement out there. So if you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes, take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and I will be forever grateful. So until the next episode, excuses are over. It's time to live.